Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 241, Read, See, and Your Publishing Needs, an interview with Ricardo Fayette, coming to you on Thursday, March 25th, 2021. So yesterday was my birthday. Woohoo! I love birthdays. They're one of my favorite things in the whole world. But I can't tell you what I've done because, of course, I have to <laughs> record this before the day that you hear it. So it's a surprise to me as well. But I will tell you that uh, I took the day off. My husband took the day off because what else is he going to do with his vacation time? <laughs> we can't go anywhere. And um and I'm not sure what we did because we probably would have watched some Marvel movies or something like that, except for that we gave t- gave up TV for Lent Monday through Saturday. So yeah, <laughs> if it's not raining, then probably hopefully we took a walk. Otherwise, I literally have no idea what we will have done, but I'm going to assume I had a really good time. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully you are doing something interesting, fun. Um, the weather is medium for you. You're not uh, buried in ice or burning up in the heat, depending on which hemisphere you're in. And um, hopefully the weather is good enough that you can at least get some fresh air outside. Um, depending on where you are, I, my thoughts and prayers are with you because it has been a tough year, hasn't it? But I am completely convinced that we can um, be in control of our mindset to a much greater degree than we often do. So let me encourage you to, when you have a negative thought, to take it captive, ask yourself, is this really the thought that I want to have running through my head right now? If not, nope, then I'm going to replace it with something else. It's helpful to have a something else positive in mind beforehand so that you can be like, nope, that's not true, but this is true. For instance, um, I'll be thinking things like, I'm so tired of working all the time and I never go anywhere and this is just not fun anymore. And then I'm like, wait, no, no, my job is fun. I do like it. It will be great when I can go out and see more humans, <laughs> when I can actually hug people. My husband will be glad when I um, you know, don't ask him for 14 hugs a day. Uh, so I just have to tell myself that's not true, actually. I mean, sometimes you know, you're in that place where you're just like, uh, but- I love my job. I love writing. There are things that you're like, no, this is a good part about life. And you just have to know that I'm going to replace it. I'm going to replace the negative thoughts when they come up. So remember that. And um, these are the sorts of things that I talk about on the monthly encouraging words episodes. So be sure that you're listening to those on the first Sunday of each month so that you can get a little extra pep talk in your life. I have to say this episode is totally awesome. Like I really think that you could um, stop and start it and write down a ton of um, very helpful information that even if you've never self-published your book before, um, you can get a great deal of direction as to what to do next. This isn't the only thing that you can do and it's not the only way to go, but there is so much information here. You will definitely feel like you know in general what the path should be. 
So Ricardo is going to be talking to us about his pretty new book that recently came out, actually came out last month in February, and the fact that it is a free ebook download and chock full of more information than you can possibly digest in one reading. Uh, definitely, it's something that I've just been hitting bookmarks on things where I need to come back to this, I want to come back to that. And he also explains a lot about the Z marketplace, which is basically like going into a big city square where there's a whole bunch of booths and you're like, oh, I want, okay, this is me at the International Food Fair in Malma. Oh, I definitely want the British fudge. So I'm going to that one. And I remember that there was some sort of jerk trick chicken, like Caribbean jerk or chicken. I know I'm going to go over there. And then mostly I'm going to wander around and see what else there is to see. So in a similar way, you can say, I know for sure I need a cover designer. I'd like to look and see uh, what kinds of things editors are doing and how much that costs. So I can decide, do I want to make a change to the way that I'm editing my books so far? Or maybe haven't <laughs> had any editing done on your books, in which case you're like, okay, editor first, <laughs> then cover designer. There's all sorts of different things that are available to you there. And these are not people who work for Readsy, but again, it's like the big city square where people bring in their booth and they're like, this is what I have available to you. So lots of great information that you can get um, on readsy.com, a lot of great free information as well. And um, yeah, also I was thinking when uh, Ricardo and I were talking that this may still sound overwhelming to some people, or you might just think, okay, but I, I, I don't want to do it by myself without any kind of oversight. Like what if I do something wrong, or I just don't feel like I have time to make a lot of mistakes right now. So I wanted to let you know, or remind you, depending on how often you've been listening to the podcast, that this is one of the things that I do. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching for people in the self-publish your book program, where over the course of three months, we meet every week and on a recorded Zoom call, and we go through, this is the thing that has to be done this week, this has to be done next week, then a week after that, that sort of thing. And we get you all the way through the entire process. I've done this for uh, several clients already, and um, we've had some great celebrations when we get to hit the publish your book button and see it finally go up on uh, Amazon and the other different marketplaces. And um, it's great because the Zoom calls are recorded so you can feel free to hire me for every book, but you can just take the recordings and go back through and go, okay, that's right. First we did this, then this, then this. These are the things that I'm going to do next for the next book and the book after that, and that sort of thing. So if you're interested in more information and also you can get my self-publisher book, uh, checklist that's a download that you can fill out on your computer, which is awesome. So you don't have to print it and lose the piece of paper on your desk. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I have a lot of paper on my desk, a lot of paper, a lot of books. Uh, so this is nice. You can actually fill it out on your computer. Uh, you can get these things and more information at rightnowworkshop.com forward slash writing coach. Also, there are transcripts for all the episodes and there's a lot of great information in there. Um, all the transcripts are available at podcast.rightnowworkshop.com. And then you can either go to forward slash episodes and find the episode that you're looking for or just wander through. And remember, this is episode 241. 
And then lastly, just a reminder that we are doing seasons now starting in January of this year. So that means out of every three months, we'll be doing 10 episodes with three weeks off. So this is the second to last episode of this season. Next week will be Irene Hannon as our guest, and then there'll be three weeks off and then the next season will start. So just a reminder in case you're um, here for the first time and wondering how does this all work. Um, also, uh, feel free, if you'd prefer to watch on YouTube, you can just go over to uh, YouTube and forward slash Kitty Buchholz, that's where the channel is, or just uh, type in the search bar right now, workshop podcast, and you can watch it while you're doing other things. Um, that's sometimes fun for me, but I have to say, if I'm ever watching the YouTube version of uh, Mark Dawson's self-publishing formula podcast on one screen while I'm trying to work on the other, I spend a lot of time going, huh? Oh, wait, no, I want to wait. I'm supposed to be working and listening. <laughs> that is part of the reason why I listen to a lot of my podcasts instead of watch them, but it is super fun. So remember that you can do it either way, whatever works for you. In the meantime, get out your notebook and pen or your phone app or whatever it is, or just remember to come back to this. Um, there's a great deal of information here, um, not in an overwhelming way. I think we've done a pretty good job at uh, keeping it organized, including writing the first nonfiction book. If that's something that you are in the middle of or interested in doing, Ricardo also talks about the process of actually writing the book, which is always fun for us writers to hear. So without further ado, here's Ricardo. Today's guest is Ricardo Fayette. Ricardo is one of the four founders of Readsy, a marketplace connecting authors to the world's top publishing talent, from editors to cover designers, book marketers, or literary translators. He's the author of several Readsy learning courses on marketing and a regular presenter at several prestigious writers' conferences, NINC, RWA Australia, and the self-publishing show Live, among others. He has also recently published his first book titled How to Market a Book, Overperform in a Crowded Market. He oversees the marketing for all Readsy products, Marketplace, Book Editor, Learning, Discovery, and is a big SEO and Facebook advertising enthusiast. Welcome, Ricardo. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, this is great. You and I actually met last year at the Self-Publishing Live show. Self-Publishing right, Show Live. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sometimes I, I'm like, yeah, you know, SPF, I just want to call it SPF. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easier. It's easier. SPF, SPF live. And that's yeah. It. Yeah. Um, so that was totally great. I mean, the speakers were amazing. And I noticed in your book, you actually mentioned some of the things that different speakers said uh, at the presentation. I mean, these are people who are making more than a good living, um, self-publishing and learning to market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it wasn't by far, by far my first event, but, but I still learn new things at every new event, you know. Yeah. And the great thing is a lot of events are in the US, um, but this one was in the UK, so closer, closer to home for me. And also, it brings different people. Uh, there were some very, very successful UK authors in there who had great things to say and perhaps a different perspective from, from the usual US one. Um, so it was really interesting to, to learn from them, uh, and obviously to get to network with all these people afterwards. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. I now have, um, uh, two new friends in London and a new friend in Austria from that walk in the rain from the event to the uh, pub where we had dinner afterwards. And we get together probably um, once a month for sure on Zoom or Facebook or whatever. And, and then we, you know, talk to each other on chat probably three or four or five times a week. So it's fun, the, the friends that you can make at these events. No, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a great way to to network, make friends, uh, know other authors in your genre. Uh, so yeah, favorite part of my job is usually conferences. Uh, right now, it's not it's, it's it's not doing so well, but uh, hopefully, we'll be able to go to to conferences soon enough. Yeah, yeah. You and I had talked about uh, you coming to Sweden because you're only in Spain, so it's just a couple hours of flight for uh, right. the conference that. The day after I got home, I was supposed to sign with the hotel that this would be the date and I'm renting out these rooms and then it was lockdown. So we will do that conference later. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good you didn't sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a limit to how much that you can get to know a new friend when you're uh, having dinner because people are eating and there's lots of people talking. And also the audience may not know you very well. So why don't you give us just kind of a little background like how did you get into publishing? What's your background? And um, yeah, how did you get to publishing? Sure. I always like to say that I don't have much of a background um, because <laughs> I started Ritzy right after right after university. Oh. Um, so my my one and only background is in publishing since I started Ritzy. It's been six years now, so it's enough to call it a background, I guess. Um, but yeah, I went into publishing because we had this idea for Ritzy and it was an exciting industry in that we were heavy readers. Um, my my co-founders -founder, co and I were heavy readers. We'd been impacted by kind of the digital change in publishing as readers. Uh, we're reading very much. Uh, I was reading on my phone. I've almost always been reading on my phone since the, the Kindle app came on. On, on the smartphones, um, my co-founder Emmanuel was uh, one of the first people in France to read on Kindle. He imported his French Kindle from across the pond. And so, yeah, the question we're thinking about, what does this change for authors? We learned about self-publishing. And then the question was, you know, uh, if, if people are self-publishing, who does all the things that a traditional publishing company is gonna do? You know, the editing, the production, design, uh, typesetting, et cetera. And, and we came up with this idea for, for a marketplace and it's all been going very, very nicely since. So I can now say that I have a background in publishing, but before that, I didn't have much of anything. Well, I have to say, um, you're probably the first person whose bio I've read that says Facebook advertising enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> Those words you don't often see together. So marketing must be something that you just genuinely enjoy or you wouldn't be doing so much of it. No, absolutely. Um, I started as CMO at Reedsea. Uh, so I decided, yeah, we decided to split tasks and, and for me to do the marketing. And I mostly enjoyed it. Um, I don't enjoy all aspects of marketing, but as I mentioned, like conferences, I'm, I really enjoy going to conferences. Uh, I do most of our podcast interviews. And Facebook advertising and SEO, I particularly enjoy because it's very, it's very analytical and, uh, and I enjoy that, that part of things. Um, I'm, less, I'm less good probably at writing or writing consistently. Um, but yeah, when it comes to looking at Facebook ads, analyzing, uh, doing some SEO, that's really fun for me. Um, 
So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you guys figured it out pretty quickly that that is not necessarily something a lot of authors would consider fun or easy for them. So you really found your niche. No, absolutely. Uh, that's a big, that's a big market right now. And it's growing uh, assistance for authors on the marketing end of things. We definitely don't have enough marketers on Readsy uh, to service all the authors that, that come knocking for them. Um, but yeah, it's hard to find good marketers who are ready to work one-on-one -on -one with authors with reasonable rates. Uh, it's really tough. Yeah. Uh, we have some on the marketplace, but it's definitely a growing market and we're still trying to figure out exactly how to, how that's going to look like in the future. You know, is every author going to have a marketing expert or someone to run their ads, or is it something that also the authors should really do themselves because paying with paying for someone to manage the ads on top of the cost of the ads is not profitable long-term right uh so yeah still trying to figure that one out but there's definitely already quite a bit of help available on our marketplace that's awesome okay we're going to talk about that but first let's talk about you have written your first ever book you know you're a marketer and you said not necessarily as good or um as consistent at writing but as of the time this uh interview goes out uh your first book will have been out for about six or eight weeks it's it's out right now when you and I are talking and I've been able to read it and I really like it. It is chock full of information. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it took me a while to write it uh, and that's not something I necessarily enjoyed all the time. So it is the first one in a series but the next few ones are, will be coming in, in the far future, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, definitely, it was definitely important for us to release a book at some point. I was getting tired of going to conferences and people asking me, uh, so what do you write? Because that's the number one question you ask to someone right. you don't know at a conference. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, I had a relatively good answer in that. No, I don't write. I'm one of the founders of Reedsy. Oh, I really like Reedsy. Yeah, thank you, et cetera. But now I can say, yeah, I'm one of the founders of Reedsy and I've written a book, uh, a nonfiction book. So it's it's a better answer now. That yeah. was the main motivation for writing the book. <laughs> Excellent. Well, and also it's something for people to keep in mind. You know, there's all kinds of listeners um, listening to this show and writing podcasts in general. Some people have a main business that they're happy to keep on doing and they're writing additionally. And one of the things that works well, and this is what you've done, is you've written a book that will help people to find your business and it's helpful in and of itself, but it also gives them a direction that kind of can funnel them into your business if they're your, your right customer, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of our philosophies at Reads is to provide as much educational content for free as possible. Uh, so we have, we have free courses, we do free webinars every couple of weeks. Uh, we're working on, on free video courses as well, um, but there's one format that we hadn't touched on and a lot of people tend to prefer that format, which is books. Uh, so, and, and we, we happen to be working in this industry. So yeah, we, it was time for us to, to release something. Um, and so we put, I put all the, all the information I had on book marketing into, into one single volume and we'll probably be releasing more books in the, um, in the future and try to keep as many of them uh, as possible free because as you said it's for us we're not looking to sell books uh, we're looking for people to find the book and then find out about Ritzy and then utilize Ritzy yeah. uh, so that's very much a way to support our our business basically 
Now, I think that I can ask you about the book or Reedsy, and we're still going to end up in the same in the same group of information. There's a ton of information in the book, and at the time that I picked it up, it was free. And you're going to always keep it a free download. Yeah, absolutely. Plan is to keep, always keep it free download. I can't promise that the next ones will be free, especially if we do like in-depth information on Amazon ads or stuff like that, which we need to update every couple of weeks. But right. this one's always going to be free. Excellent. And it's also available in print for people who like print, right? That's right. It's not going to be free in print. Right. <laughs> printing and shipping costs. But yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. So looking at the general topic of marketing and, um, and specifically book marketing for fiction or nonfiction, uh, what would you say are some of the key points, the key takeaways, either in the book or at Read C Marketplace? Um, like pretty much just jump in wherever you feel like it. You probably have some things that you're like, these are important points to, to remember. Yeah, I think one of the most important points that I stri strike early on in the book is, um, is that you can't do everything uh, and you shouldn't try to do everything, especially at once. And that's, that's, I think, the main reason why a lot of authors are overwhelmed at the mere idea of marketing is that it seems like, it seems like such a beast nowadays because of all the information out there, you know, blog posts, uh, blog posts telling you, you should be doing Facebook ads and Amazon ads, then fellow authors who tell you, you have to be on Twitter on a daily basis and others telling you, Hey, there's a new platform called TikTok. Uh, so we have to be on there and then, oh, you're not on Instagram. What are you doing? Uh, there are Facebook groups also full of readers. So you should be interacting on there on a daily basis. I mean, there are millions of things you could do. Um, and that's a great thing. I mean, that's a great thing with, with social media, with digital publishing and digital in general. It's opened up um, a bunch of new avenues to be communicating straight to readers and to be marketing straight to readers. But the problem with that is it's easy to get overwhelmed thinking of all the things that you should be doing. Yeah. Uh, and if you try to do them all, you're just going to burn out. And more importantly, they're not, they're not going to work out. So yeah, one of the important points in the book is just pick one or pick one or two things that you think are going to work well, both for your market. Uh, so think about your readers. Obviously, if your readers are all like, teenagers then you probably shouldn't be on Facebook too much because that's for older demographics and vice versa if you know your book is uh, a cozy mystery then advertising on TikTok is probably not going to reach the right demographic so think about target demographic but also think about where you're comfortable yourself if you're not comfortable having a presence a daily presence on Facebook because you hate the platform don't be on there except maybe to run ads uh, for me ads and like organic uh, social media are two different two different things. If you hate Twitter, don't don't be on Twitter. You don't need to have a Twitter account. Um, if you hate Instagram, same thing. You don't need to have an Instagram account. So pick the things that you are comfortable uh, interacting on with your readers, uh, the platforms that you yourself use on a daily basis, maybe with your friends. If you've got an if you love Instagram uh, and use it for your friends, then turn your Instagram slowly more towards your author practice. I'm sure more book stuff in there, your friends are going to be interested because they're your friends. So if they're not interested in your business, then they're not your friends anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you might reach new readers through there. So yeah, pick the things that you're comfortable at, stick at that and, and don't test more than one or two things at a time. Yes. I loved that because it reminded me of the scientific method that I learned in high school. You know, you can only change one thing at a time to have any idea which thing is actually making the effect, right? That's right. That's right. Same, same, yeah, same idea. Okay. So for instance, um, 
in the last few weeks, you know, I've um, got some changes coming up with some of my some of my writing, some of my books. I'm actually going to uh, relaunch my books um, as clean and wholesome. I realized mm -hmm. that I only have 19 swear words in one book and 22 swear words in another, but it's garnered me some uh, one-star reviews from people who thought they were getting something else. And I was like, well, that's 19 words. I can take out 19 words. Of course, I have yeah. to redo the audiobook. <laughs> That'll take way more time to replace 19 words. But it, it occurred to me that um, looking at uh, reader reviews and the sort of feedback that I get from people who do send an email or reply to a newsletter, that I would probably do much better by changing my focus. And so as I've been talking to my readers about this, I've been paying attention to uh, who is responding from where. So even though it isn't marketing per se, I guess promotion really would be the, the better word. I'm not sure if that's the right word either. But when I'm just in touch with my clients, not, not something's for sale, but just uh, in communication. And so I'm finding that my Facebook group um, has like 350 or something uh, followers uh, and three uh, three people actually see what I post, you know, according to the, to each right. little thing. It says three people saw this, five people saw that. And I'm thinking, okay, that's <laughs> just to me, a total waste of time. I get more people responding to the email, to the email newsletter. So yeah. that's one of the things that we can look at, right? What's already working, what already seems to be not working and what we're already No, doing. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a lot of ways to cultivate a, a reader base, and for me, that's that's marketing as well. Marketing encompasses all all interaction with readers, whether whether it's signing the book, uh, communicating afterwards, um, and that's why I always tell authors that they shouldn't be afraid of marketing because at the end of the day, marketing is about getting readers to discover your book and then interacting with them. And who doesn't love to hear hopefully good things from readers? Right. Right. And um, just putting it out there in case other people are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know that how personal I want to be, but I have to say the most interaction I've gotten is um, one of my January newsletters where I put a link to a video that my husband did on his phone of me making a snow angel. And so to see a 52 year old woman dressed in like layers and layers of clothing in Sweden, making a snow angel in like four centimeters of snow, uh, I don't know. A lot of people clicked on that. <laughs> it didn't bother me because I am kind of the kind of, John says that I really like to be the center of attention. I'm not saying he's wrong, but I don't <laughs> mind being out there. <laughs> and then for my Valentine's newsletter, I uh, put a picture up. Oh, I wish I could just like move the door into the frame so people could see it who are watching on YouTube. Um, I did a picture of uh, my office door. My husband had, um, put uh, 14 hearts, one each day from February 1st to February 14th with all these sweet sayings, like you have the cutest laugh and stuff like that. And I got tons of feedback on that too. And I'm like, okay, people really do want to just get to know and be friends with uh, the people that they love their books. And I guess I wanted to just encourage people. I don't know, uh, you know, if, if that's something that you've given much thought to, but it's definitely something that I've found to be, um, super helpful for me. And also the, the people that I always open every single of their emails, like Nick Stevenson, who actually is a writer and also teaches mm -hmm. writers things. Um, every time he puts in an email about, we just got ducks. Yes, 
ducks. And I'm just like, okay, I got to know like why. (laughs) (laughs) And I open all of his emails and he always starts with something that he says in a funny way that's personal. And then before the end of the email, he said something about his books or his writing programs or his marketing programs or whatever. And, um, and I don't feel like I've been sold to, you know, because I'm getting to know Nick, Nick, the funny guy, as opposed to Nick, the guy trying to sell me something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the great thing nowadays that you can have direct communication with readers and, and they're not used to that necessarily, especially in genres that were more traditional before. Um, probably clean, wholesome romance readers were not used to being able to interact with their authors one-on-one 10 years ago. Uh, you couldn't just email your favorite uh, romance author. I mean, you could try to email them but they'd never answer. You'd get uh, an answer from maybe their agent or an assistant or something like that. Uh, now you get authors, you get the opportunity to tell your authors or your readers directly, hey, this is what I'm doing today. Here's a picture of me, all the, all, all the stuff that you mentioned. And that establishes a personal relationship. They feel like they know you. And to some of these readers, you're, you're their hero. Uh, you're that author who writes uh, the, these books that they love. And so having that direct connection with you means a lot to them. And that's a great way to turn them into into superfans, as, uh, as we call them. There's a great book on that by David Gogren, uh, Strangers to Superfans. And, and he explains like the whole process from you know, I, I discovering the book, then discovering the other books by the author, starting to know the author and becoming a super fan of the author. And what you mentioned, yeah, with through these newsletters, you're probably creating super fans and uh, among your readers. So when people are thinking, oh, marketing, that just sounds scary and I hate it and I don't want to do it. There are things that you can do that will get you kind of started down the road like this, just letting people to know a little bit in your life. They don't need to know your address, your phone number, or the names of your kids, but just fun little things. Now, the other thing though, that I wanted you to talk about some more is you had this great, um, well, I, I've you know heard this before, but so it was a great reminder to me, but if somebody hadn't thought about it, like it's kind of a um, mind blowing moment when you mentioned that if you look at all the things that it takes for somebody to have first heard about your book down to the process of actually hitting the buy button, they're looking at your cover and the title and the blurb and different things. And that you possibly could sell way more books by just getting those pieces to be much better than they were before than to get another thousand people seeing the book in the first place. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's an old, uh, um, it's an old adage of, of business. You know, it's a lot easier to retain a thousand customers than to gain a thousand new ones. And I, and I adapted a little bit to, to this world of publishing. Um, you're going to get on a daily basis a few people to view your book pages, whether that's through Amazon recommendations or like retailer recommendations, word of mouth, some of your uh, social media activity, friends, friends of friends, etc. You're, you're going to get that little trickle of traffic or sometimes it's a big trickle of traffic. Um, so the, the easiest thing, I mean, the easiest thing. The cheapest thing you can do probably is to tweak uh, that blurb, tweak that cover, uh, add editorial reviews, uh, customize your bio, you're from the author, all these little things on the, on, on the page that are going to help increase the percentage of people who, after seeing all that, buy the book. 
Uh, and that's, that's paramount because until you've fixed all those and you, you've made those the best that they can be, you're basically wasting money uh, throwing ads at the book. If one out of 10 people uh, who see your, like one out of 100 people who see your, your book buy it, and I've worked with authors one-on-one -on -one for whom it's like one in 200, one in 300, uh, and you know we, we spent a bunch of money on ads, and I told them, hey, we got a great cost per click. Uh, we got a thousand people to visit your your book page uh, at ten cents per click, so we just spent a hundred dollars. That's fantastic. Uh, except only two people bought your book, so you spent a hundred dollars and only two people bought your book. Yeah. Uh, maybe if you fix your cover, uh, one of one out of ten people are going to buy your book, so you're going to spend twenty dollars and you already have made two sales the same as when you spent a hundred dollars before. So. That's why all these elements uh, that you mentioned, cover, blurb, uh, editorial reviews, customer reviews, everything that's on the page, uh, even the look inside uh, feature, all the things that factor in the decision of buying the book for the readers are super important. Also because Amazon actually gives more importance to, to conversion, like the, the act of buying the book after seeing the page they give more importance to that than sales themselves. Um, for example, if they see two books that have sold 100 copies in the last week, if there's one book that sold 100 copies out of 500 people visiting the page and another book that sold 100 copies out of 10,000 people visiting the page, then Amazon's gonna wanna promote the one that had the least page views because they know, okay, this, this book got you know 500 eyeballs on it and it sold 100 copies. So what if I give it 10,000 eyeballs? Right. It's gonna sell a lot more copies. So Amazon's gonna be encouraged to um, give that book a lot more visibility. So conversion is actually more important than traffic uh, and to sales themselves, which is why it's so, so, so important to nail your cover, nail your, blur nail your blurb, make sure that the first uh, customer reviews that you have below the book are positive. Cause it's easy to get, you know, five, it's easy. It's easy to get 50, reviews and an average of 4.5 stars. But what happens a lot of times is that the negative reviews get upvoted a lot by readers because they have more meaningful feedback about the book. So readers are saying, oh, that's helpful, helpful, helpful. And you end up with like, hey, I've got 50 uh, positive reviews and only two negative ones, but the two negative ones show at the top of the review. So when people start looking at reader reviews, then they just see bad feedback basically because no one's gonna scroll past the, the second review if the first two are negative. So that's another thing to take into account. A lot of things uh, that constitute a product page on retailers. Uh, I've been talking a lot about Amazon, but it's the same on, on other retailers. And you need to make sure that all these elements are as good as they can be. And uh, while Amazon is likely to sell the most number of books total, if um, people are selling wide, meaning in all outlets or a lot of outlets, uh, pretty much whatever you can do to make it the best on Amazon or any place else, you just do that same thing across all the outlets, yeah? That's right, yeah. I mean, some of them are gonna have difference in some stores you can't, you know, um, you can use HTML for the blurb, so you're gonna have to rework it maybe a little. Each platform has its kinks, um, but yeah, uh, overall, Amazon is your testing ground because that's where you're gonna get the most sales and most data. So replicate what works on Amazon as closely as possible on the other stores.
Excellent. Now let's talk a little bit about REED-C because a lot of the things that are important in getting to this process where you're selling enough books and you're paying your mortgage and everybody's happy. <laughs> um, a lot of these things that you need, you can hire someone to do it way better than you could learn to do it yourself on REED-C. So uh, tell us a little bit about some of you, we mentioned a little bit of it in your bio, but talk to us about some of the different kinds of people who uh, and it's not who I'm going to let you explain because these people don't work for Reed Z. It's a marketplace. So why don't you explain marketplace and then some of the kinds of people we can find there? Yeah, sure. Um, as you mentioned, you can do everything as, as an author and you shouldn't uh, first because you don't have the capacity and second, because you don't have the skills. Um, I know some authors who are also great at editing. So they do their own editing. Um, I've debated whether that's a good idea or not with them, but for some, it works, uh, you know. I know other authors who are graphic designers themselves, so they do their own covers and that's fine. So as long as you have the skills, the professional skills and the capacity, you can do that. But very few authors are gonna have uh, the skills and the capacity to do everything. Uh, and none is gonna have the capacity to do everything. Yeah. So that's why we started the, the marketplace, as you mentioned, um, because you're gonna need probably to hire an editor, you're gonna need to hire a cover designer, you might want to hire someone to write your blurb, a professional copywriter to write your blurb. If you go into translations, you'll need to hire a literary translator. Um, and if you want a website, not a website, you are going to have to need, you're going to want to hire a website designer and developer. Uh, and so with Ritzy, we provide kind of a, a marketplace for that. So marketplace is a place where you, it's like, yeah, like a market, uh, you go there are different stores, and there are, these stores are basically professional freelancers. What makes what makes Ritzy different from other marketplaces out there is that we're very very careful in the people we allow to be on the marketplace. Uh, we accept less than five percent of freelancers who apply to be listed on Ritzy uh, as editors, designers, marketers, etc. Um, for the marketers, I personally have a chat with all the marketers that we add on the marketplace, so I vet them personally and make sure that they have the, the knowledge to work within the authors directly. Uh, so all the people you're going to find on Reedsea are, are vetted professionals. Uh, for the editing side of things, they're going to come generally from traditional publishing because that's, you know, the uh, that's if we're looking to have editors who have five to 10 years experience editing. Um, and generally five to 10 years experience means having worked at a traditional publisher in the past. Yeah. So you're going to find a lot of, you know, commissioning editors, uh, or editorial assistants at, at the big five uh, on Reed Steve for cover design, more of the same, though we have quite a few indie specialists uh, for, for cover design, illustration, marketing, as I mentioned, I vet them directly, literary translation. Uh, it's it's another form of vetting, but yeah, we basically have people who've translated the, the best books and who are ready and have some experience working with indie authors because it's a different game in translation working with publishers and indie authors directly. So yeah, a lot of work goes into the curation and the vetting so that you can be sure that when, whenever you hire someone on Reedsy for whatever that is, you can be 99% certain that you're gonna get the best job possible. Excellent. Okay. So um, the way that I see it as a um, customer, potential customer, is um, there are two things that I'm going to read C4. One is because I just wanted to look around and see what's available. And then I start finding this free bit of help and that free bit of help. And then, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going to sign up for your newsletter <laughs> so I can hear about all the other kinds of free help that's available. Um, and the other thing is when I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my cover designer, you know, had a baby and she's not doing anything for the 
the next nine months and I can't wait that long for a cover. Uh, so I'm going directly to the cover area. What are some of the ways that, um, that people can figure out because there is so much there, like what are a couple of ways that you would suggest that people go to read Z who haven't been there before and just kind of see what they can use today? Yeah, that's, that's one of our main problems that we have. We offer a lot of different stuff, uh, most of it for free. And so it's hard to feature, feature all of it in a, in a nice way. We're redesigning the product right now to integrate all our resources better. But I think right now the best thing you can do is to go to readc.com or eedsy.com and look at the top menu, uh, the things in the top menu. And just look at the titles. Uh, the things that are bigger and in color are most of our bigger pro programs like readc learning. Uh, and then you try, you can try to guess what these things are. Ritzy Learning, uh, it's about learning. It's our collection of free courses. So uh, everything you're going to see is free, except for when you hire people on the marketplace, obviously. And our program, Ritzy Discovery. These are the only two paid things on Ritzy. Everything else is free. So Ritzy Learning, free courses, Ritzy Live, free webinars um, on YouTube. Uh, then Ritzy Book Editor, that's a book writing and editing and formatting tools so right a very lightweight version of vellum but works on any browser so so you don't need a mac and it's free uh so a great great um yeah a great tool for anyone who hasn't purchased vellum uh and any super other books and it's going to get even even better in the next few weeks oh so, excellent yeah I want to come back to that, but keep keep okay. going. <laughs> but yeah, have have a look through the top menu. Click on click on stuff. Everything uh, meaningful is going to be in that top menu. Excellent, very good. And then when they sign up for your newsletter, they're getting information about um, new things that are available on Readsy, when the free webinars are, and what the topics are about your new book that's coming out that actually is now out um, and is free as an ebook download. These are the, the things that they're getting out of the newsletter as well, right? That's right. The best way to sign up to a newsletter is sign up to, to the product. Uh, so you go to readsy.com and you click on sign up. Uh, and then you're going to have to tick boxes that ask you, okay, do you want to get newsletters about this, about writing, about publishing, about marketing, about design? So if you're just interested in marketing, you take marketing and you'll only get my newsletters. Uh, so I'll be happy. Uh, and if you're not at the marketing stage yet, then you just stick writing and publishing and you won't get my newsletters, but maybe you'll choose to get them in the future. Or you can tick all the boxes and get a lot of emails. That's what I do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like what I would do too. Now there's possibly people listening who, um, they don't have a ton of experience in this yet. And I emphasize yet, um, it's, it's a, it's a long business career. And they might be thinking, okay, this is great. There's a lot of editors who sound like they could be the right editor for me. And a lot of cover designers, you know, even if it's, if I've narrowed it down to six, um, I know that um, these are not your employees. So you can't necessarily point and go, um, I suggest that you go with this one, but you probably have some way of giving people ideas on how to choose if you've never hired anyone like this before. Yeah, we have some resources on that on our blog. Um, I think, so first it's rare that you get five quotes from, the maximum number of quotes you can get is five because we don't want, we need a balance on the marketplace. If uh, editors or designers spend their time offering quotes uh, and they only get one in like a hundred, then they're yeah. gonna leave the marketplace. Because uh, these people are getting work uh, elsewhere as well. They're, they're not like dependent on Reedsy. And, 
you're, the maximum number of quotes you can get is five. It's rare that you get five quotes because let's face it, your book's not going to interest everyone. Uh, so you might get one or two declines from people who are not necessarily interested in working on your book. Others might be too busy or not, able, not be able to meet your deadline. Some of our editors are booked up to six or, or 12 months in advance. Wow. So they're editors who are basically there for repeat clients, you know, who get on their Kellen, uh, who get on their schedules very, very early on. Um, so if you get those five quotes, then that's great. You've got a lot of options. Um, some things that you could base your decision on is obviously price. Uh, but also, I think a lot of authors have a really strong feeling about who they want to hire early on because of the first interactions, you know, okay. pick the freelancers who, who interact, who showed the most interest in your book. If, if it's for editing uh, the freelancers who, who gave you a sample already, who read your first chapter and gave you the, their, their thoughts on the first chapter, who said, okay, I think your writing style is closer to this and that to authors that I work with. Um, Basically, yeah, uh, the, the editors or the, the, the freelancers who seem the most interested in working, uh, in working with you. And generally, it's an, it's an easy choice uh, to make. All right. That's good. Because what you're going to probably end up with then is um, somebody who um, is nearly as excited about what you're doing as exactly. you. And you don't have to explain your work to them. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. That's right. Cool. All right. Let's come back uh, real quick. There's um, a couple more questions I want to ask you. Um, so I have a Mac. I use Vellum um, mostly because it's just easier. I was, I taught myself in design so that I could, you know, do oh. my books and, um, and, and there are things that I can do in InDesign that I prefer, but Vellum is so much faster that lately, you know, when I have more books, it's just easier. However, um, it is a problem because, you know, if I use it for a client, then they suddenly are in there and they're a Windows client, um, then they're suddenly kind of stuck in a place where they need to either have somebody else, they need to hire someone, you know, to use yep. Vellum, or they need to have their book completely reformatted if it, you know, years go by or something. So let's talk about, um, is there an, I think that you gave a, a name to the program. Um, is it just called the, um, the book editor? Yeah, Reedsy Book Editor. We're still okay. looking for a better name. So if anyone has suggestions, let <laughs> Good. us know. Uh, but yeah, right now it's called the Reedsy Book Editor. <laughs> okay, so tell us a little bit about it um, so that people understand um, why they're going to go there and use it because it sounds like a great product. I fiddled around with it a little bit once when I was like uh, in a hotel room in between things. Uh, but <laughs> I was like, wow, this is pretty quick and easy. And this was a long time ago. So you've probably made improvements, so. Yeah, definitely. It's one of the products we're, we're most excited about for, for the future because uh, there are a lot of features coming, but it's already, I mean, it already solves a lot of problems. So first we get a lot of people writing in it uh, just because it's a very clean writing interface. So you've got chapters on the, on the left, you can drag and drop them around. So maybe you can have your outline in there. What I did when I, when I put my book is I just put the titles of all the chapters in there and then I moved them around um, based on, on the, the final structure I wanted for my book. You can create parts as well for, for nonfiction, which is pretty helpful and, and it can, can be great for organizing. Great writing interface. You can hide the, the sidebar. So it's just like um, widescreen and you typing in there, uh, no, no distractions. And the great thing is when you're done writing, you've got track changes and comments as well. Uh, so 
the only thing is you, you can't really share it with any, with anyone else unless you share your Readsy login details right now. But yeah, that's one of the features that's coming soon is the, the ability of sharing this with editors on Readsy or co-authors or editors outside Readsy so that they can work with the track changes and the commenting. And it's going to make it a lot, lot better than working on Word. And then you can, you can format and export. And that's what we've had since the very beginning and works really well. Uh, you just hit export and you can choose to export to either ebook, so EPUB and Mobi, or a print ready PDF. Uh, you, you have a few customizable things like whether you want drop caps, uh, where you want the end notes, a um, few customizable things in the table in the, um, in the front matter as well. Uh, and you choose from three templates. So also we're looking to add more templates, but right now we've got a fiction and nonfiction and a romance one. And that's it, you export the book. You're not gonna be able, so the things that Vellum has that really Readsy book editor doesn't have is uh, options to add like custom chapter headings with flowery things, flowery corner, flowery corners, um, and fancy formatting options that a lot of authors love. And that I personally think readers don't necessarily care much about it's more a cool thing for the author to be able to say hey look how beautiful my epub file looks <laughs> yeah and then the reader is reading it on their kindle and they don't really care there are flowers in the corners you know yeah. Uh, but yeah that's what we don't have <laughs> yeah yeah i have to say it is so true as an author i get so excited but as a reader the only thing i notice is whether or not anything keeps me from from reading the book otherwise i kind of don't care uh it's very funny because I wear both hats, but the one person, the, the writer in me doesn't seem to talk to the reader in me going, no one cares, Kitty. <laughs> no, but that's what makes Vellum so so great. I think uh, authors rave about Vellum because it gives them a lot of, you know, um, all the all these options. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's your, it's your book, it's your baby. So you want it to look as, as nice as possible. Uh, yeah. And, I don't know people who have babies, you know, who dress them up for special occasions and then take pictures of them. It's really for you that you're doing it. You know, it's yeah. not for other people to see your nice baby. Uh, they're yeah. not necessarily going to care as much. So it's it's really important, even if it's just self gratification it is important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we're creative people. So the idea that somebody's yeah. letting us be a little bit more creative just makes us happy. <laughs> That's right. That's okay. Right. So um, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we leave is the process of writing your first book. So you wrote nonfiction. Um, tell us about some of the highs and lows, some of the things that you were like, why am I doing this? And some of the things that you were like, this is the coolest thing. Why haven't I done it sooner? Uh, we don't get a ton of um, nonfiction authors on. And uh, there are people listening who either have already written some or have been kicking around the idea. So start wherever you like with that. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's an interesting writing process because I first tried to, I've had this idea of writing a book for several years now, maybe three, four years. And at first, what I tried to do is, you know, start from page one and write a book. Uh, it, it was going to be on Facebook ads. So I wanted to put all my knowledge on Facebook ads for authors in there. Um, and so I started writing and I got to maybe 5,000 words. And then I realized that, hey, actually, this outline doesn't really work. So I changed the outline. And so I restarted writing and then something else came up, a new product launch at Ritzy maybe. And then, and then I went on holiday. I'm not going to be writing while I'm on holiday. Like, you know, it's my free time. Um, 
And then when I went back, I found out some new stuff about Facebook. So I thought, yeah, this outline doesn't work anymore. And so that book never came to life, basically. So instead I said, okay, I took an example from, from David Gogran and he started a weekly marketing newsletter. And that, that was something that had been on my mind for a while. And we, we actually took advantage of uh, GDPR. You know, when GDPR came, came in, everyone was sending these newsletters, uh, give us your consent, GDPR, this, that. And we sent a newsletter saying, okay, we're not going to do the usual GDPR thing because uh, we have consent from, from all of you, but you can, I mean, you can scrap here. But what we're going to do is we're going to split our newsletters. Uh, so we're going to have our usual writing, publishing newsletters. We're also adding a weekly write marketing newsletter by co-founder Ricardo uh, that you can sign up to here. And by that point onwards, I was bound to readers of the newsletter to write a newsletter every week of around, you know, 500 to 1,000 words, sometimes more. And that made me go into a very, very slow uh, writing routine, but a writing routine nonetheless of writing a little bit every week. Uh, it was on marketing in general. Um, and so this year I thought, okay, I'm going to take another crack at writing this Facebook ads book. I tried, I failed, and then I said, hey, I've got all these newsletters. Uh, so why don't I just, uh, the material is there already, so I don't have to start from, from page one, page zero. Yeah. I can just repurpose the newsletters also because I get a lot of people asking me, can you resend me that edition from like two years ago where you were talking about Amazon ads? And I have to go fish that edition, take the link, send it to them. So I thought I'm going to put all that in a book. Turns out it's a lot more work because I had to find an actual structure for the book, rewrite a lot of uh, things, uh, write a lot of new chapters. But at least what I found personally is like working from something that was half done already, where it was moving stuff around and filling in the blanks was a lot easier than starting from a blank page. Um, but that's my experience. Uh, and for the next book, I really dread it because Either I start a newsletter about just Amazon ads or I'm going to have to write a book about Amazon ads from scratch. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, that's what worked for me. Yeah. And um, I like this idea about the the newsletter because I know uh, I've actually had um, at least three clients myself where they've come to me and said, you know, I've got two or 300 blog posts or emails. Uh, and I know that there's a book in here, but I'm not exactly sure how to find the book and then create the book out of it without it looking like a book of blog posts. Um, yeah. But so I'm guessing that you and just about anyone else, I mean, we could just add uh, something about the topic of the book that we want to write in the emails that we're already writing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just need, I'm, you just need to write to find the right structure for the book afterwards. But I purposefully, I mean, that's I chosen a very niche topic for a newsletter. It's about more book marketing. Uh, and at some point I was running out of things to say uh, about book marketing, even though there, there's always new stuff that comes up. Uh, and then you pick the newsletters are evergreen and those that aren't. Our newsletter, we're always talking about like three things I learned from this conference that happened, you know, three years ago. It's not it's not an evergreen newsletter, but a newsletter where I was talking about the importance of uh, customer reviews and the thing that we, we talked about earlier, then that's evergreen. That's always going to be there. Yeah. Maybe Amazon's changed how they display those reviews a little bit. So I'll have to change the screenshots, um, but I'll definitely going to be re able to, to repurpose that newsletter. Um, so yeah, if it's if you want to follow that example, then pick a, a niche topic that you ultimately know you can write a book about 
and a book that's going to have some market appeal, uh, you know, and, and go for it. So I'm thinking about your Amazon book. It's possible then that you would, um, that you would have to come up with the material and get the book out in a much shorter period of time because it's a changing topic. Yeah, that's, that's the annoying thing. Um, this, this book already, I'm going to have to update every couple months or so. Um, because I mean, just to give you an example, uh, from the time I, I'd finished the, from the time I sent the book to, to some people, some, uh, ARC readers, some advanced readers and the time I published it, Amazon changed how they handle series. Uh, so before you had to reach out to KDP support to get your series page, now you can create your, your series page in the KDP bookshelf. So I had to rewrite and update that. It's a small thing, uh, but you know, maybe tomorrow KU, KU payouts are gonna change or the sales rank calculations are gonna change, popularity list is gonna change. Things change all the time. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna have to update this very often that, and that's why there isn't an audiobook and there will never be an audiobook. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's either I update the book or, or, or I don't update it and, and you get an audiobook that's going to be full of deprecated info in two years. So yeah, yeah I'm, a book on Amazon ads, it would be a lot more about stuff. That's more uh, the philosophy of Amazon ads uh, than, you know, getting deep into screenshots and first you click here and then you click there and then you do this because that's obviously going to change the philosophy of Amazon ads overall. Maybe it's going to change, but it's going to change a lot slower, much slower. Yeah. So there are several really great tips there for people who are um, uh, thinking about or in the process of writing a nonfiction book. First of all, the idea that um, you can create a book that is full of great information that people want, that is probably not going to change because it is um, not specific and, um, you know, step one, right. two, three. And you can make this book a free book that leads people to your business, which is what you've done with your first one. Um, and another thing that you said was um, you could create a book that does need to be updated uh, more regularly and you know that you're going to commit to doing that. Therefore, this book is going to cost more because it's almost like in that way, it almost ends up being slightly subscription based. Like if you have to update that book two or three times a year, then people need to be able to pay for the time that, that you're putting into it. So that book, instead of being free, might be $9.99 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing that I picked up from that is if you're going to write about a changing topic that you expect that you will actually be writing updates for your book, then an audiobook may not be the best use of your resources. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about the audiobook at first, but then when people started asking me about it, then I realized there's no way this can happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. These are great tips. This is really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Wow. Okay. So much information. I feel like everybody can just like pause and make notes and go to the website. And so definitely we want people to pick up um, this book, uh, How to Market a Book, Overperform in a Crowded Market. Uh, why don't you tell us where can people find Readsy, your book, and any social media uh, following that they can do? Sure. Uh, so the book can be found on any retailer. Just search for how to market a book on any retailer and should pop up if, if we did our SEO right. Um, for Reedsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y.com, as I mentioned, and use the top bar to just find out everything that we do. There are a lot of things. Um, and in terms of social media following, um, 
I don't do a lot of social media, so just drop me an email. Uh, my email address is very easy to guess. It's ricardo at readsy.com. So feel free to drop me an email. I always answer. And I'm, I spend a lot more time on email than I do on Twitter or on Facebook or on any of the social media. So you'll get a faster response from me there. Oh, that's so generous. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> my pleasure. Oh, this has been super fun, Ricardo. And you and I didn't have to talk in the rain, which is great. <laughs> that was a nice point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of the things that you said in the email was since you and I are in the same time zone, which hardly happens for either one of us, both of us yep. get to talk in daylight, not at night. <laughs> I know. I know. I think last <laughs> podcast I ended, they were saying, are, are you a little bit tired? And I was like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm a little bit tired. I'm sorry that's coming across, but, but it's yeah. good to be doing something in, in broad daylight. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. This is great information and I'm sure people are thrilled to be getting it. So thank you. No, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.